Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast for Sunday, June 12th, 2022. Today's sermon will be part three from Hebrews chapter 7, verses 23 to 28. If you'd like to follow along, please go to gracebaptistchurchnc.org, click the current sermons link at the top, and click today's manuscript. Welcome to Grace Baptist Church. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to be reading from verses 23 to 28, and then after we read those verses, then I will pray, and then we'll, we'll, we'll proceed. Starting verse 23, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he, speaking of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, our great high priest, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words here at the end of Hebrews chapter 7 for us. And Father, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, upon our minds, that we might hear the word today, that we might praise and worship you as you have sent your Son, who is our great high priest. I pray that he would increase, that I and that we would decrease, Father. I pray that in spite of me, you would work, Father. We, we trust in your word. We trust in your Holy Spirit to work. I pray that if someone is not a Christian, today they might hear the words of life and turn unto Christ and be saved. For those who are, I pray that these words would be encouraging, that we would learn truth and apply them to our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of the sermon is, it's part three, um, but it is the superiority of Jesus' priesthood. So this morning, I will finish up chapter seven of Hebrews. And, our, and again, it's, it's still having to do with Jesus as our great high priest. And as we've, as we've seen coming through, Melchizedek, he is our picture. This priest back in the day, he was the priest of Salem who blessed Abraham after Abraham came from his battle, from, his, from rescuing his nephew Lot. And as we've seen, the reason that we have Melchizedek in the Bible, the reason that we have such a priest who blesses Abraham was to give us a picture a type, 
of the one, the true and real high priest who would come one day. And our author, the author of Hebrews is referring, if you'll remember, reminded us every week from Psalm 110, verse 4, who says, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so the writer of Hebrews is taking that picture of Melchizedek, bringing it forward, and he's comparing the old Levitical priests with the one Jesus Christ who is the high priests. And so he is saying throughout their time with the old system of priests had come to an end. Why? Why do we not follow and do what the Jews did in the Old Testament with the Levitical priests and with Mosaic law there? Why do we not do that? Because Jesus has fulfilled that, particularly with his priesthood. He has fulfilled that system. That priesthood under Mosaic law could not perfect or make something fulfill something. Couldn't make, couldn't make it perfect, as we, we're going to see. The old system was good. It was right for its time, but it had to come to an end. Again, why did it have to come to an end? Because the perfect had come. And it has come in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we saw last week, Jesus is the guarantee. Verse, look there with me in chapter 7, verse 22. Jesus makes, this makes Jesus the guarantee, the guarantor, the surety of a better covenant. And so let me remind us of our comparison so far as I try to finish up this part three of these sermons. Comparison of the old priesthood with the priesthood of Christ. Jesus, here we go, number one, first thing we've seen. Jesus' priesthood is of a completely different order. Two, his priesthood is indestructible. He did not, he died, but he rose again on his own power. His priesthood continues forever. His priesthood brings us into the presence of God. How do you think, why do you think, how do you think we pray today? We come to God through our great high priest. So he has brought us into the presence of God. His priesthood is accompanied by an oath. Theirs was not. Well, today I have two more reasons. And brothers and sisters, we need these truths. You, be, you might be thinking, why? Because we're going to continue with Melchizedek in the New Covenant in chapter 8 and chapter 9. But it's good for us that we might hear it over and over. And I just pray and hope that we can apply these things to our lives. But we need these truths today. They are so important for us as we consider our own salvation. They are important for us as we consider what a beautiful and glorious gospel we have. They are important for us as we consider the old covenant and the new covenant. We're going to get into that more and more in the coming days and how the old relates to the new. And so we need these truths. And so with that in mind, I have two truths this morning. Here they are. Number one, <clears throat> Jesus is superior because his priesthood is permanent. So that's number one, permanent. Number two, Jesus' priesthood is superior because he is a sinless and perfect high priest. So number one, Jesus is superior because his priesthood is permanent. Look at verses 23 and 24. The former priests were many in number. Because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. 
but he holds his priesthood permanently. That's where I get this truth. Because he continues forever. The inferiority of the Levitical, of the Levitical priesthood in that day, it, is, it was very clear, and it should be clear to us, because death was the master of all of those old priests. So all the old high priests and all the priests that were under that system, every single one of them died. <laughs> and anyway, we'll get into that more. But every one of them, they were born, they served their time as priests, and then they died. Every single one of them. And so I got some, some statistics here. There were no fewer than 83 high priests. Starting with Aaron, back with Moses and Aaron, there was 83 of them going all the way to one called Phineas at the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. So that goes way back. Thirteen of them lived during the times of the tabernacle up until Solomon, and they built the first big temple. After that, there were 18 that served until that temple was destroyed. And then the rest served under the second temple time until it was destroyed in 70 A.D. And there were scores of other priests, not just the, the, those 83 high priests. And if we missed one of them, maybe we did. But there were plenty of other priests as well who were not the high priest. But each and every one of them died and is in the grave. And so here the author is comparing those many priests who died with the one who, though he died, he rose again. And so, their priesthood was not permanent. came to an end. came to an end when they died. But Jesus, who is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, he holds his priesthood permanently. Now, you might say, John, Jesus died as well. Of course he died. He, on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he breathed his last. And they laid his body in the tomb. But unlike those priests, what did he do on the third day? He rose again. And so as Christians today, we, we serve one who is risen from the dead. And we preach that as part of the gospel. In fact, it is really, we, we cannot go on. If we only looked at his death and all he could do was conquer sin and take care of our sin problem, but he couldn't conquer death itself if he did not rise from the dead. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, does not rise from the dead, we will not rise from the dead as well. And so he rose again. And because he conquered death, his priesthood is forever. And since he lives, his priesthood is permanent. So for us, just a couple things to think about for application. What does that mean for you and for me today? Well, for us, this means that every moment, if you are a Christian, if you have the Holy Spirit, every moment by the Spirit, you have access to God. So let me ask you, is there ever a time that as a Christian you do not have access to God? Well, the application is for us to pray always, as the Apostle Paul tells us, pray always without ceasing. So when you are Anybody have a bad day this week? Of course, we have different levels of that. Of course, pray when you're having bad times. When your loved ones are sick, what can you do? Pray. 
when you're depressed or you're anxious, pray. When you are scared, pray. When you doubt your faith, anybody ever doubt your faith? Pray. When you think about all of your sins, you think about all of your past and all the circumstances that went with all of those sins, and you think about all the guilt, Christ has taken that upon himself. And oftentimes we forget for a moment, or we're not thinking about that, but we can always go to the Father through our high priest. We don't need a special event like they needed in the Old Testament, such as the Passover or the day of Pentecost or the day of atonement as the high priest placed his hand on that one goat and sent him off into the, into the wilderness as a scapegoat there. That special time, we don't need those times anymore. We don't need a special church service to pray. We pray. And how do we pray? We pray in Jesus' name. That is the difference from the Old Testament to the New. We pray in the name of Jesus because we have access now always with God. His priesthood is permanent. His priesthood is unchanging. He will not die, and He always makes intercession for us. As, just think about Greg's Sunday school lesson back <clears throat> with uh, Gentle and Lowly. What a, just good thoughts there. Another application. Look at verse 25. Here's the consequence of his permanence, of his permanency in his high priest. Consequently, he is able, it's the word power, he is able to save to the utter, uttermost or completely those who do what? Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Here we see the power of Christ first to save sinners. The old Levitical priests, they all finished, they started their priesthood at 25, well at 30, but they started some preliminal stuff at 25 and at 30, they, they, they entered their priesthood and then at 50, they, they got out of the priesthood officially and then they passed away, they died. But Jesus' priesthood is permanent. And those priests, they offered the blood of bulls and goats. But what did Jesus himself offer? Did he bring the blood of bulls and goats into the temple, into the Holy of Holies? Of course not. He offered himself. The priest is also the offering, is also the sacrifice. For the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sins. And that's what the author of Hebrews is telling those Hebrew Christians, particularly, don't go back to that system. That system's done away with in Christ. The old system of priests did not have the power to save. They were not effectual for those who wanted to draw near to God, even as the, the people of Israel wanted to draw near to God. This means that now... Those who draw near to God can draw near to Him. We have that today, brothers and sisters. And I must remind us this morning that He has the power to save, but we must also just think for just a moment, what does He save us from? Well, we are saved from, from sin and from all of its terrible consequences. 
pollution of sin, the guilt of sin, the curse. The Bible says the, the law is a curse upon us because we cannot keep it. Which of us have kept all of the law in both our hearts and in our actions towards God? Sin also, we, we, we are under the captivity of Satan. And we're also under the wrath of God for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness. One of my favorite verses is Matthew 1.21, which says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which Jesus means Savior. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will do what? He will save his people from their sins. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. What does that mean? Jesus himself does not become a sinner in and of himself, but when he died on the cross, it's, it's a mystery, but he has taken the sins of his people upon himself, and he takes it. And so when he died there and he shed his blood there, as those animals in the Old Testament and the old system were laid there on the altar, he was laid there, the wrath of God was poured out upon him. And now, in Christ, we give him our sins and he gives us his righteousness. That's what that means. He became a curse. Because when we think of the sacrifice of, of, of Christ, that is what God has, he sees our sins laid upon the Son. And that is, <clears throat> that is the gospel. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10 tells us to wait for the Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. There is, I think, when I look back at my life, and I think about some of the things that I was thinking about when I was thinking about my life and then becoming a Christian, I had great fear. And God used that fear greatly in my life. Because I had read the Bible my whole life, been brought up in it. But it was the fear of, of hell and the wrath that is to come one day upon. And, and so I know the world hates to hear this. And many times as Christians, we don't want to hear this as well. But it is simply the truth. And as Blaine says, the truth always trumps peace and the tickling of our ears and the things that we like to hear. But there is a wrath to come. But Jesus saves us from that as well. And finally, just quickly, another quick application. Notice who he saves here in verse 25. This goes back to Matthew 11. It is those who what? Draw near to him. Those who come to him. Come to me. Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me. If you're not a Christian today, come to me. All of you who labor, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your sins and lay them upon Christ by faith and let Him give you His righteousness. That is the gospel. And so that's, that's truth number one. Jesus, His priesthood is superior because His priesthood is permanent. Number two, just to finish up chapter seven, Jesus is superior because His priesthood is sinless and perfect. 
Look at verses 26 to 28. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest. And notice these words. Holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all. When he offered up himself, for the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests. But the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. These have to be some of the most beautiful words about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here our author in Hebrews is, is bringing to a close what he started, really, this bit back in verse 11. Look back there at chapter 7, verse 11. If perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, what further need would there have been for another priest after the order of Melchizedek? Jesus, not Aaron, nor the priest of Aaron's lineage, but Jesus, who he now refers to him as the Son. And so this is the first time after a long time where he changes from the name of Jesus to <clears throat> the Son here at the end of these verses. Verse 29, For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a Son who has been made perfect forever. <clears throat> now the priests, under Mosaic law, they offered sacrifices daily in both the tabernacle and the two temples that followed. And they were appointed in their weakness. In other words, they themselves were sinners just like us. They had not obeyed God fully. Even the best of those priests, some of them were good, really good and moral and godly high priests, some of them not as good. But even the best of them, were not fully obedient. Now, they might have obeyed the, the letter of the law, but they didn't obey the spirit of the law. When we come to the New Testament, Jesus says, if you've even thought evil about your neighbor, then you've committed murder where? In your heart. Or if you've looked at a woman in a, in a wrongful way, or same goes, you know, women looking at men, same way. If you've done that, you've committed adultery where? In your heart. And so that's in all of those ways. They may, those old priests may have committed, you know, they may have obeyed the letter, but they did not obey in their hearts always. I can imagine also all of the sins of, if we think about those priests, they were fathers and they were husbands and they had families back in those days. I am sure, I, can, I just think back to their homes just imagining they tried to be good husbands and good fathers and good leaders and good grandparents and all of these things, but none of them were perfect as the Lord Jesus was. 
This is why the text says that they also, when they were bringing those offerings, they were offering for their sins as well as the people's sins. They were not perfect, nor could they make anyone perfect. In fact, that entire system failed in that way because the blood of bulls and goats could never atone, cover our, their sins completely or our sins completely. But it was not so with the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who fulfills or perfects what was lacking in those priests and in that system. Look at verse 26 again. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest who was holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners. So today, as the Son of God, Jesus is holy, just as holy as God is holy in His essence. And what can be said of God can be said of Him. Now, we spoke a little bit earlier. The author did say that Jesus was, was weak in His flesh in the sense that He was a man, but He was sinless through and through. And so He was different than those priests. As the Son of God, if we go back to chapter 1, verse 3, the writer of Hebrews says He is the radiance of the glory of God. Who can say that of any, any man? No one but the Lord Jesus. The radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of His nature. He is, this text tells us too that He's not only holy, He is innocent. Never committing any sins. We often hear babies are innocent. And in a manner of speaking, this is certainly true in a manner of speaking, because they have not experienced the world as we do. They have not committed all the sins that we commit as a babe, as a child, but they are not innocent. <laughs> if you've had a child, you know they are not innocent because they want their way, and they want their way now, and they want their way when they want it, and we know those temper tantrums, and as they get older, it just comes out. But in a manner of speaking, yes, they have not experienced what I have experienced, what we as Adults have experienced, but all of us, by nature, are called children of wrath. Because Adam's sin comes down to us. But Jesus never committed a sin. He was innocent. In both his actions and in his heart. The text says that he is also unstained. Do you ever get stains on your clothing? I do it all the time. It seems like, wow, I'm always wiping something off of my clothes. Sometimes you can get them off. Sometimes you, can, you cannot. But, you're, but after you've worn them for a In fact, Josiah, this shirt came from, I think it came from where you lived. And so I don't know how old this, this is or whether it's a make, but it's already got a stain or two on it. And so the text says that Jesus was unstained, completely unstained. <laughs> And so those Levitical priests, they had stains in the sense that they were, they were sinners. And those stains could not come out no matter what they did. But it is not so today with the Son. So Jesus is the priest of another order. And in the case of the old priests of Mosaic law, they offered animals as a sacrifice. But again, what did Jesus offer? He offered Himself. Why? Did he offer himself? Well, we can think of lots of reasons. We can think he offered himself because he loved us. That's for sure. And we, 
We know that he offered himself because he did it, because that was the Father's will. He came to do the will of God. We could probably put a lot of reasons why he did that in that way. But practically, for us, was there any other way to save sinners? That race of Adam, Adam and his kin, who have in our nature... We're sinful, but we choose to sin because it follows our nature. Sinners from that time. Was there any other way to save you? Was there any other way to save me? Those animals in the old system, though they were you know, sinless in one regard, they, their sacrifice was not effectual. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, if you remember, what did He pray? My Father... If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Then what does he say? Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. It's Matthew 26, 39. But as he prayed that, you see, it was not possible. Because there was no sacrifice that was holy and innocent and unstained and separated from sinners, except the Son, the Son of God, who, Hebrews 12 tells us, for the joy, I can't imagine, that the Son of God in His sacrifice did it with joy. For the joy that was set before Him, thinking of us, and His Father's will, and His Father's glory, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. He despised the shame, and He is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Therefore, Jesus, the Son, the Son of Man, as we see throughout, He offered up Himself as the sinless and perfect priest. And so in this way, He is both the priest and the offering. So, for the rest of our time, I want to ask the question, what does this mean for us? For you and me, for this, both Jews and the Gentiles, for this sinful world. Well, first thing that I think of is, there is only one sacrifice for our sins. It is the sacrifice of Jesus, the Son of God. This is why Peter, in his first sermon, very first sermon, can say, he's just bringing... The, the author of Hebrews and what he said, he's just bringing it all to a, to a head. And he says, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Except at the name of Jesus. So today, if you are not a Christian, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. But to look by faith to the Son of God and then be saved. Because the Bible says, if... You come to me, I won't cast you out, and I will take away your burdens and your labors and your trying to make yourself good, and I will make you white. I'll take away your stains and all the holiness and the righteousness and the unstained and all of those that we just read about. When God looks upon those who trust in Christ, that's what He sees. That is why today, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. 
This also means that one sacrifice covers all your sins, past, present, and future. When I came to Christ back in 1987, what a burden fell from my heart. Nothing, still nothing like it can I describe to you. And those who lived the way I did and then came to Christ and understand what that means know what I'm talking about. The burdens fell off me when I came to Christ. And as I look back at all of my sins at that time, all the sins I had committed, and all the consequences that were coming from those sins, and I must say to you young people, there will be great consequences if you are not a Christian, you become a Christian one day, there will be great consequences for your choices that you make today. But, I mean, I understand that, but at that time, even with all those consequences, and some of them and many of them are still coming today, and those of you who, who, who are older know exactly what I'm talking about, and you think, boy, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But Christ covered that sin and those sins, and all of those past sins. And that one sacrifice was enough, and the guilt went away. But he also died for all of my sins that I will commit, committing now, and will commit in the future. It's very important because often we think, well, he just covered them up to the end, and now we just have to keep living righteously and doing what's right, going to church and getting baptized, doing all these things and, and giving to the poor, and then God will accept me. Even as Christians, we tend to, to keep that mindset a bit. That's why we need to be reminded often of the gospel. But if you are a Christian today, the same can be said of you, and you know what I'm talking about. When you sin, you do not have to go to a priest and then confess your sins in order to be forgiven, as our, many of our Catholic neighbors and brothers and sisters and family members do still today. I remember overseas, all of our Muslim friends celebrated the big holiday of Korban. And this is where they would sacrifice the, the, the lamb or, <clears throat> or the goat and feed it to their family members there. And they were saying, they were literally looking back to Isaac's um, that sacrifice there in the Old Testament, but they also they're, they're thinking about sacrifice in general. If I sacrifice, then what will God do? Then God will he'll accept me. I, I always ask the, my friends, I would say, what, what does this do for you? Just trying to engage them in conversation about the cross. And they'd say, well, I feel closer to God this day. Same with Ramadan. They, they feel closer to God in that month. And, 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 or they think, you know what, now that I've done this, God approves of me, at least for now, while I'm doing this. So in essence, this is no different than really the old sacrificial system, at least those who did not have faith. But as Christians, our high priest has finished all of his work. On the cross, what did Jesus say? Three of the most important words for us, for interpreting the book of Hebrews I think if he could just sum it up in one, hey, you Jewish Christians looking back, think, consider Jesus who said, it is finished. And he breathed his last, and God was satisfied. And so now there is no more need to offer this sacrifice again. So even our Catholic friends who celebrate Mass, even those who are doing some on Sunday mornings, believing in some way that that blood and that wine that juice is turning back into the body and blood of Jesus miraculously. 
it goes against, in, in my estimation, the, this one-time sacrifice of Christ. And I think they are greatly mistaken. This also means for us, this one sacrifice is effectual to give you power over sin. This is very practical for us. Do not ever think that just because you made a profession, or you walked an aisle, or you were dunked under the water, or you joined a church, if you are not becoming more and more godly over the years. Do not think that, that, that well, it should at least not give you any assurance that you are a Christian. And I know this is somewhat subjective. For all of us, if you're a Christian here, all of us grow. Some grow quickly, and some grow not so quickly. And some of us produce 10-fold, and 20-fold, and 30-fold, and 100-fold. Some of my green bean plants look really skimpy and nothing, and then all of a sudden there's hundreds of green beans on that one plant. And this other big, beautiful one over here has two green beans on it. Well, they're both producing fruit, and so I know this is subjective when I say things like this on Sunday morning. And I know it's hard because we don't always produce the same fruit. But why do we produce fruit? Well, it's because Jesus has given us who? It is not an it. Who? The Holy Spirit. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, because of this one sacrifice... We live under a new covenant. This is the day of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come. We'll see this more in chapter 8, so I look forward to getting there. And this new covenant is powerful. It is effectual. That's why we are different as Christians. Jeremiah 31, verse 33. Looking forward to this new covenant. And hold on just a few more minutes. i only got a tiny bit left. But listen to these words. Jeremiah 31, 33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. <clears throat> I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. If you would, look with me to Romans chapter 8 for just a moment. Go ahead and turn there. If you've got your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, verses 9 to 14. And I... Just to remind us what I'm talking about here. Back to one of the things, one of the applications. This one sacrifice and the giving of the Spirit. This power. It's effectual to make us godly. Romans 8. And, and there's a lot more. We could read the whole chapter. But I'm going to read a few verses. Romans 8, verse 9, and going to 14. Speaking to these Christians. You, however, are not in the flesh... But in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So he's saying, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are in the Spirit. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, boy, he's equate, see there, he actually equates Christ with the Holy Spirit. But if Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead 
will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Brothers and sisters, do you see the great power that works in us? He doesn't just save us from our sins. He gives us power to do what's right as a father, as a mother, as a young child who wants to obey his parents, as a grandparent who's taking care of grandchildren. Whoever we are, the Holy Spirit has given us power to be different. We are people of righteousness, people of the Spirit. And this is the great power that works in us. That's why so many times preaching just focuses on the death and coming to Christ. But we must focus upon this as well, that the Holy Spirit works in us and gives us the power. So when you leave today, if you are a Christian, you have the power to do what's right. To make good decisions, to be good fathers, to be good husbands, to be good children, to be good workers. And then it goes on further than that. The priesthood of Jesus Christ is effectual, unlike that old priesthood. It is powerful. And these effects go much deeper than just covering our sins and giving us power to live. Today, our high priest blesses us with everything we need for godliness, for life, living, and godliness. Do you remember with Melchizedek that he blessed Abraham when Abraham came to him? There in Salem, well, that is a picture that the Son also blesses us. So I want to end with this this morning. If you are a Christian today, all the blessings of God have come to you through the Son, made effectual by the Spirit. Let me name just a few in closing. We are given righteousness. We're given peace. He says, my peace I leave with you. Not the peace of the world, but my peace. He's given us light to understand this and to understand the things of this world in a way that Christians... That's why we, when we go out into the world, we have, honestly, better answers to life's problems because we know what is true. He's given us light, truth. He's given us access to, to God. He's given us joy. Just to name a few, everything that we need for life and godliness. So in these ways, we are the recipients of His blessings, which is His perfection, which is accomplished for us. So I'm bringing chapter 7 to an end. Today, as those who draw near to Him, we have the most beautiful and sinless, perfect high priest. His priesthood is permanent. And it is perfect for us. So let's pray together. And then after I pray, we're going to stand. And I'll lead us in the doxology because Caleb had to go do wedding stuff. But let's pray and ask the Lord to help us to apply these truths to our life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for these words. Father, you are so good. I pray that you would just... Apply these truths to our hearts through the Spirit as Christians. 
that we might live more godly this week, more righteously this week, but even more than that, that our hearts would be more loving towards you and to our neighbor. That we might have, that our desires might be the greatest they've ever been for Christ, for who he is as our great high priest. Father, that these words today and in the coming days, if you see fit, that we would find Christ more beautiful. And if there's someone today who doesn't find Christ beautiful, who is not a Christian, Father, today, may these words, may they understand the gospel, may they turn to him and be saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. You can listen to past sermons at podbean.com. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove to find us. You can also find us on Apple Podcast. Search Grace Baptist Church China Grove. You can also join us at the South Row NYMCA, 950 Kimball Road, China Grove, North Carolina. We meet on Sunday mornings at 930 for fellowship and service starts at 10. Thank you for listening and remember to be intentional in making disciples this week.